Thunder River. The only whitewater ride of its kind in the world is now at Astro World. And Kroger wants you and the whole family to enjoy Thunder River and all the fun of Astro World with the all-new summer season pass. Available now at your nearby Kroger, the cost cutter. Stop at Kroger today and get your summer season pass. It's $10 less than the regular season pass. Or save $1.50 on an Astro World one-day ticket. Don't miss Thunder River at Astro World. Welcome back to Deep in Bear Country, a Berenstain Bear Cast. I'm your host, Phil Gonzalez, and welcome to my den. It is hot, it is humid, it is sticky, and so for the first time in Deep in Bear Country history, I am recording this episode shirtless. Now, you may be thinking to yourself, you may be thinking at this point, you may be thinking, Mr. Phil, that's a little more information than we actually need. We don't need to know what you're wearing when you record, to which I say, pa, ba, and a humbug, you do need to know because it is so warm in this house, I can't even stand it. And I can't crack a window because then you'd hear the noise from outside. So instead, here I am sitting in my living room recording topless. It sounds weird when I say topless. Let's just say shirtless. Recording shirtless, talking about the bears, and most specifically talking about the Berenstain Bears visit Fun Park. It's another Cub Club book. Look, Ma, I'm reading. This one's from 1992, not to be confused with the Berenstain Bears Visit Big Fun Park, a book which came later and which I do not have my hands on and which is probably going to be the basis for the episode, The Berenstain Bears Visit Fun Park, that I will be covering after this episode over on my Patreon channel, patreon.com forward slash deep in bear country. If you are a subscriber, you will get the bonus feed to my subscribers. Don't forget, uh, right there on the Patreon Deep in Bear Country page, there is a link you can paste right into your app your little podcasting app that'll get you all of these bonus episodes downloaded right to your podcasting app so you don't have to go to that patreon app unless you want to in any case the berenstain bears visit fun park now what is fun park fun park's an amusement park and well let's talk about amusement parks now if you recall last week and if you don't recall last week i totally understand but if you do recall last week you will recall that last week we covered the berenstain bears go to the giant mall or at the giant mall. And I spent a whole lot of time reminiscing about malls and talking about malls and playing other people's important stories about malls, telling you the history of the mall, all because I have a fondness for malls. And I have a major fondness for malls from the 80s because that's when I grew up. And I love to tell stories. I'm jam-packed with stories about the mall. I'm jam-packed with stories about other people at the mall. Part of most of my childhood is wrapped up in stories that revolve around the mall. Childhood into teenagerhood, into collegehood. I once uh, stayed up all night with my friend Harris at Denny's. We had dinner there. We stayed up in Denny's talking. We had breakfast there. And then that morning we went to the mall as soon as it opened and we played House of the Dead at their little built-in arcade. That's another mall story you didn't know. That was in Santa Fe. I've got tons of mall stories. What I don't have a ton of is amusement park stories. And why don't I have a ton of amusement park stories? Because I don't go to amusement parks. I've only ever gone to amusement parks when I've absolutely had to go to amusement parks. I grew up in Spring, Texas, which is a little, it's not a suburb. It's not a city outside of. It's a, it's, it's really complicated. It's a 
a, a census-designated population area, which is just on the border of Houston, Texas, just to the north of Texas. And it's a huge census-designated population area. It's just there to count population. It doesn't have its own mayor or anything. We pay taxes directly to Houston. It's, but Houston doesn't like get the same industry as spring. There's different zoning law, different ordinances, but there's also Klein. It's very complicated. If you grew up in Spring, Texas, you understand it's very complicated. In any case, I went to Astroworld as a kid. I had to go to Astroworld as a kid, not only because sometimes my family went, but also because sometimes my school went or clubs and organizations I may or may not have belonged to went. I had to go to Astroworld once with my high, my junior high school band, which was a terrible experience because I didn't have any friends in junior high school band, uh, none at all to speak of. I told the story of me learning a musical instrument back in the Berenstain Bears in the excuse note why I joined a band in the first place. It's a long tale. Go listen to that episode. But I didn't have any friends in band. And we were going on our, you know, their their big eighth grade Astral World trip. It's a huge deal. Or maybe it was like the the symphonic band trip, whatever the, we, I was in the top band. I was in the lowest chair in the top band, but I was in the top band. And I don't remember, I think it was just like the top band had, the, like, I think each band had a trip and like this was our trip, but I didn't have any friends. And there was a sign-up sheet. You were signed up to to have a group that you would go to the astral world with. <clears throat> and this was like a day-long trip. This was all like you got there in the morning and you left in the evening or like the late afternoon. And you and your friends would sign up to be in like these little like buddy pods. And then you would explore Astro World as your buddy pod. That's a term I just made up. I didn't have any friends. And so I just never signed up. And finally, the band instructor was like, Phil, you didn't you didn't sign up yet. And I said, well, Ms. So-and-so, I don't remember her name. She was an awesome teacher. I'm so sorry. If you are my junior high school band teacher listening to this, which that would be awesome. Please write to me. That would be awesome. I really liked her. She was cool. Uh, I don't remember her name. She said to me, you haven't signed up. What's going on? And I said, oh, well, Miss So-and-so, I don't have any friends. I don't have any friends in band. And she was like, oh, oh, would you like me to just sign you up in someone's group? And so I was like, sure. So I got added to a group. Like not a group of people I was really friends with and like they were all really tight and then they got told by the band teacher that this other kid was going to join them and so already I felt pathetic and then I felt doubly pathetic because I don't know if you've ever existed on this planet but junior high school age boys aren't really cool on having their like private world infiltrated by some sort of narc or scab or whatever I was foes on me. So it was a bad day. It was a bad, they were actually pretty cool with me. Like they didn't really talk to me much, but they also didn't like treat me like a jerk, but it was a bad experience at Astro world. Um, that's just one of that's one of my see all my mall stories are really upbeat and all my Astro World stories are really not upbeat. But 
like I did with the mall thing, I kind of went into the history of malls, uh, the history of shopping centers. And if you want to get into something that's more complicated than the history of shopping centers, let's talk about the history of amusement parks. Because for as long as there have been human beings on the face of this earth, human beings have been trying to amuse themselves. And for as long as human beings have been trying to amuse themselves, they've been trying to amuse themselves in large locations. And then not long after that, people started trying to commodify that and make money off of that and have large areas where they could charge people money to amuse themselves. Thus were the amusement parks born. Uh, looking into the history of amusement parks, this is even like, just defining shopping mall was hard enough. Defining amusement park is also hard because they go so far back into like these like sort of like fairs, like the town fairs that would happen in like the middle ages and things like that, where there would be amusements and like rides and stuff and shows and like zoos. And so then like all throughout like the 1800s, there were these like pleasure parks and pleasure gardens. And also what you have to understand is that like, Things have charged admission to people for a long time. And in those things, there's amusement, but they're not what you might consider an amusement park. So these were, I guess they call these pleasure gardens. So like in, for instance, in like the 1600s uh, through like the late 18th century, there was like, there was like gardens where you would like, you charge admission, you'd go in and there'd be like basically circus acts to see and concerts and fireworks and things to, you know, to keep people entertained. Uh, but they also included things like uh, beaches and hunting and just anything to amuse people, like whatever you, whatever you found amusing. And then also around in the 1800s, that's when we start getting like World's Fairs. And so World's Fairs became a big deal. Now, those also would have amusements. And some of them had midways with like carnival games. But they also had an element of the amusement park that would be one of the defining characteristics of it, which was uh, permanence. Uh, these world fairs would sometimes build uh, exhibition halls and buildings that would then stick around and sort of continue to fulfill their purpose. Uh, so that was another element of the amusement park that we would find familiar. Um, then there was trolley parks. That was kind of a, a thing where you would have a destination that you would take public transit at the time to get to. Now, this was very much a British thing and an East Coast American thing. Uh, hence, Blackpool in the UK and Coney Island in the United States. And this is another birth of the amusement. So amusement parks are, elements of amusement parks are being born around the world, but mostly in the UK and in America. Uh, different elements of them are springing up kind of independent of each other. And they're all going to coalesce into what we think of as the kind of, I won't even say the modern amusement park. I will say the, the trashy 70s and 80s amusement park into the 90s. Because what we have now is very different than what we had even then. So in any case, uh, th uh, these trolley parks were... Uh, you would have like a beach that you were trying to get people to come to, like a pier. Uh, so you'd have Coney Island, which is what people, a lot of people are familiar with. Uh, and you would have trolleys that would go to them, public transit that would go to them. But you would try to get people to come to them. So you would start building infrastructure around these beaches to attract people, give them a reason to come. And that's where you started seeing like carousels and early roller coasters in the late 19th century. Uh, just, just trying to pull people into these like sort of shopping districts and entertainment districts. And these would become permanent. So, okay, so now we have like this sort of like 
the idea of the permanent rides that are an attraction that pull people in by trolley, by rail. Uh, and, and we're talking like the coasts of England. We're talking the east coast of America. Uh, and we're looking into like the steel pier from like the early 20th century. Think of like, think of that. And these weren't amusement parks as you might think of them today because a lot of them were in inside. They'd build these giant, uh, these giant pavilions. That, and there would be a lot of things like dance competitions and things like that, like roller skating rinks, concert venues, still a lot of performance to come see. So not quite what you think of as an amusement park yet, but we're getting there. Now, also, there were things called holiday camps. That's a big thing from England, and that's where you would take time off from work, you'd have your holiday, and you'd go stay and live at these camps. Now, these camps, again, were also sort of health spas, but they had tons of fun things to do. And again, permanent buildings, uh, flat admission, and in this case, uh, solely owned by a single entity. That's another amusement park uh, a staple, is the fact that amusement parks are owned by a solid entity that reaps almost all of the profit. So you're not talking, it's not like the boardwalk where there are uh, multiple businesses that are amusing to go to. Uh, this is one business operating many different attractions. So what's generally considered by a lot of people uh, to be the first real amusement park, and there's some arguing and fighting over this because again, the, the definition is nebulous and has changed, the first real amusement park, amusement park, meaning like an enclosed, permanent entertainment area regulated by a single company, was 1895's Sea Lion Park at Coney Island uh, in Brooklyn. And what's cool is that Coney Island had like the first three like permanent amusement parks in America. That's in this is in America, uh, Steeplechase Park. Uh, uh, Luna Park and Dreamland uh, also were, were part of this. And what's funny about them is they all ended up burning down because they were all built out of wood. Uh, Luna Park was like rebuilt and there's, there was like Luna Parks all over the world eventually. But like Luna Park, they, they were all made out of wood. They were all terribly, terribly dangerous places. But these were amusement parks. You paid your fee, you went in, you rode their rides, you ate their food, you saw their attractions. Uh, and they were all kinds of like... Uh, Dark rides and grottos and water flumes and toboggans, all kinds of fun. So that was like the real birth of of the the, the modern amusement park. And this was happening in America and it was happening in the UK at the time. Uh, there were sort of like bopping ideas back and forth. But it was really uh, it was really the early 20th century that really saw the, the the birth of what we think of now as amusement parks because that was the birth of roller coasters. And once roller coasters came on the scene, and I'm talking like real roller coasters, not like those like just like shallow hills with like wheeled carts that went down them that you would see like in pictures from like the 1800s with like men in like straw boater caps and like women with their parasols. Like, woo, like attaining speeds of up to 15 miles per hour. Like, Ladies, grab your smelling salts. You'll you'll be whisked away into the oblivion of hysteria by the wonderment of the 15 mile power rolling coaster. No, it's not like that. It's like real roller coasters, like things that took you up, they dropped you down. And that was like the 1920s on. Was like the was like the roller coasters. Um, so more pleasure beaches, more amusement parks are coming. Uh, the Great Depression hits. They kind of go into a little bit of a decline, but then post war, bing, bang, boom. Uh, people stopped going into cities. People wanted to be far away from cities. Uh, white flight, urban decay. 
uh, we want things outside of the city. And that's where we started getting these big permanent amusement parks. Uh, a lot of them shuttered in the 60s, but the ones that stuck around, they stuck around uh, into the 70s and 80s. And what's funny is my memory of amusement parks in the 70s and 80s was just seeing commercials for Astroworld, for Six Flags, just all the time. These things were meant to pull you in to where to these locations. But what's funny is 70s and 80s were a major decline in in amusement parks uh, through the 90s, through the early 2000s. Like amusement parks were faltering. They were being consolidated into these few major companies uh, because the history of amusement parks is the history of American uh, real estate and the history of American zoning laws and the history of 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 race relations and America's attitude towards urban living and urban planning and who does what with their time and just the history of amusement in general. What do we find fun? Amusement parks have to constantly replenish their, their clientele. They have to send out ways, constantly find ways to get more people to come because you age out of amusement parks. And if you don't have kids, there stops being a reason to go there uh, as regularly as they would want you to. Uh, so that's where you get into things like season tickets. That's where you get into things like major discounts, group rates. Uh, uh, most amusement parks, the major amusement parks, have some sort of performance venue, things to uh, drive people into uh, into into the, the park. When I was a kid, one of the biggest concerts of all time, and to me, was the Monkees back on tour in the 80s, opening, opening uh, act, Weird Al Yankovic. Like, that brought people to Astroworld. That was a huge deal. The monkeys at Astroworld, holy cats. That was, that was, that was big news. Uh, it was big news. Uh, so, like, the names you see now are, like, Six Flags, Cedar Fair, uh, Knott's Berry Farm. Like, that's, those, are the, those are the big companies that things are consolidated under. Not to mention the fact that I haven't even talked about theme parks, uh, which are an offshoot of the amusement park. Uh, and that's, like, amusement parks but with one that tell like a story like the whole thing is is a story now of course the biggest theme parks that we know now are like walt disney world disneyland uh though you know the, you, there's an obvious theme but of course the first theme parks in america were uh were what was it santa claus land santa land christmas land i don't remember what it's called uh santa town it's called like holiday park now it still exists uh santa claus Santa Claus Town, 1935 in Santa Claus, Indiana, still exists. Uh, Santa Claus Land is Holiday World uh, right now, and you can still go. It's now divided into like four different holiday lands. That's a big theme park. Uh, I'm not touching on theme parks. This isn't about theme parks. Uh, to one degree or another, Astro World was a theme or it tried to be a theme park. Like, a lot of them tried to like have themes, but it was mostly just like different quadrants of the park would have a different theme. But it wasn't like an overarching theme to these parks. Like you didn't go there. You didn't go there for the theme. You weren't going to Astroworld to see the weird cowboy mascot. Like that wasn't that wasn't a big deal. Uh no, you went to the theme park like Disney to see the Disney characters. You went to Astroworld to ride the rides and I hated it. I hated it. I hated it because what I love about malls, what I always loved about the mall was that it was enclosed, it was a controlled environment. It was it was cool during the summer and uh you could leave whenever you wanted you just leave you were done like you went there for an hour you're done that's like the opposite of of an amusement park an amusement park is not enclosed it's very hot when it's the summer uh and if you go there you're staying you're staying all day because you just paid 
when I was a kid, like, what, like 20 bucks to get in when I was a kid? Like, I don't know. It was a ridiculous amount. 10 bucks. I don't know. Eight, 1984, 85. I don't know how much it cost to get into Astroworld back then. It was a lot. Uh, when I was in high school, some friends of mine had uh, had season passes, and they, they would get in that way. I didn't have a season pass. I did go to Astroworld once with, with a family of a girl I was dating. But I'm not getting into girls I was dating anymore. I'm not going to get into that. That was last week. Uh, that was a good trip to Astro. That wasn't a great trip to Astroworld now that I think about it because she went off with her mom and I hung out with her dad and little brother. Like they disappeared. And now that I think about it, now that I'm remembering, I don't think we actually were dating at that point. I think we had broken up by which she had broken up with me. But I think I was still friends and hanging out with them. Like I was invited along by them. But I then she went off with her mom because I guess she didn't want to like really hang around with me. Maybe it was like her family that invited me. That was awkward. That was, man, that's now that's really awkward. Huh? In any case, I enjoyed it at the time, I guess. So I don't go to uh, theme parks any, or amusement parks anymore. I don't, I don't, I haven't been to a, uh, I've never been to Valley fair, which is the one here in the twin cities. I've never been to Valley fair. Uh, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't see a reason to go. I don't like roller coasters. I don't like thrill rides. I don't like heat. I don't like crowds. I barely like fair food, and I'm going to go to the fair if I want fair food. I don't like the expense. I don't like the drive. I don't like the experience. I don't like amusement parks. But this week's book is the Berenstain Bears visit Be Fun Park. They visit a fun they have fun at a park, presumably. They have fun at Fun Park. Let's talk about Fun Park. So it starts off with Mama Bear bursting in because she got tickets at the supermarket, just giving away tickets to Fun Park. And let me tell you, there's the, the, like, like a sheet of tickets. Brother's like, oh boy, free tickets for every ride? Merry-go-round, Thunderbolt, the water slide? And I'm like, you just got... That's not a promo. That's like you're not, you're just, really? You go to the supermarket, you get free tickets to the entire park, to every ride? Like, I don't understand how they think they're going to make money in any case. Papa's like, hot dog, drop everything. We're going to Fun Park. And they do. They literally just call a halt to all their plans, hop in the Red Roadster, drive to Fun Park, which from the illustration seems entirely unregulated. There's like a gate that says Fun Park. There's no ticket taker. Uh, there doesn't seem to be a parking lot. Uh, you, you pull in and immediately to your left, like two yards in, is a ride. And then immediately to your right is a booth. And then like 10 yards further on is another ride. And then like 20 yards further on is a roller coaster. There's nobody minding the store here. I don't know what those tickets are for. I don't see any employees. It's just maybe those are like... Maybe that's like a backdrop. Maybe like you're entering and it's just pictures of rides. I do not know. Fun Park seems terribly mismanaged. Terribly mismanaged. So uh, for fun, my son, it's number one. Here we go. They, they think about going on the log flume. It's a little too wet for them. Uh, then we get this weird scene. And I love this little bit. Mama is really into the tunnel of love. She's like, there's a ride I was thinking of. That ride that's called the Tunnel of Love. Remember, my dear, 
we rode that ride when you were a groom and I was a bride. And I love, okay, so we know, first of all, that Mama and Papa went out of town for their honeymoon. They stayed at a resort. They did not go to Fun Park. So this must have been early on, right at, like soon after their wedding, because I'm a little confused. The Tunnel of Love seems like something you do before you get married. Maybe they, maybe they save that that one till after marriage. I don't know. Tunnel of Love, for those of you who don't know, is a dark ride, like a haunted house. It's generally in a boat, like a water-based ride. So you're in a, like a little gondola, traditionally shaped like a swan. Uh, frequently, Tunnel of Loves, Tunnels of Love, are horror-themed. Like, they're actually, like, scary rides. Uh, because the idea is that you're not supposed to enjoy the ride. You're supposed to, you know, like, smooch. Smooch on it. You're supposed to smooch. Um, Tunnel of Loves, tunnels, tunnels of Love are also called Old Mill Rides. That's the official name is an Old Mill Ride. Um, they're themed dark rides. Uh, the reason we call them Tunnel of Tunnels of Love became kind of a uh, like a, a nickname for them because that's where teenagers would go to make out. So the idea is that you'd go in, you'd ignore the ride, you'd make out with your girlfriend uh, because they were dark and no one could see you. Uh, and then eventually they just began being called. Uh, tunnels of Love. See uh, the film Strangers on a Train for a very famous tunnel of love scene. But, uh, you know, see as well many, many cartoons where, uh-oh, uh, I thought I was in this tunnel of love boat with you, but instead I'm in the tunnel of love with you. Usually it was like two guys and you had some sort of like weird gay panic scene. But that was then. This is now. Uh, Tunnels of Love have also been featured in the graphic novel The Dark Knight Returns, uh, where Batman and uh, Joker fight um, because symbolism, I guess, like symbol Dark Knight Returns was all about symbolism. It's very symbolic. Uh, so in any case, uh, they pass by the Tunnel of Love. Uh, Papa's getting really excited, by the way. Uh, he's, he's super excited about being there. Like he has his look on his face, the, pe the his family is just like, Oh my God, Papa's getting really like worked up and he, he won't tell them, but he's like, there's this one ride that I really want to ride. And so they're like, what the carousel? He's like, no, not the carousel. It's boring. I, I would fall asleep on that. But there's like, what ride are you talking about? What are you talking about? He's like that, that right there, the Thunderbolt. And you look up and there's the Thunderbolt. Uh, it's this giant, uh, wooden roller coaster. And, it, Thunderbolt was the Thunderbolt ever a uh, a ride like an actual ride? Is there a roller coaster called the Thunderbolt? Thunderbolt? I don't think so. I don't think. Wait, wait. I know. I'm getting a message. I'm getting a message right here. Uh, there is a Thunderbolt. Uh, it's at it's at uh, Luna Park in Coney Island. Uh, it is a steel roller coaster. But 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 but. Did not open until 2014. So uh, this is not based on that, that Thunderbolt. Um, no, wait. There was a wooden roller coaster. Okay, we're getting a little into history here. There was a wooden roller coaster 
Name the Thunderbolt on Coney Island from 1925 to 1982. Uh, demolished in 2000, so that thing just sat around for a long time. Uh, let me see if I can pull up a little. Why did it sit around for so long? Uh, the big, beautiful roller coaster. Um, yeah, it was demolished in 2000. Oh, it just, it just stood, stood there. 18 years, it just stood there. Just abandoned. This abandoned, beautiful roller coaster. Uh, but that was the Thunderbolt. You may remember the Thunderbolt uh, as uh, as the uh, as the uh, roller coaster in Annie Hall, and and uh, and the cover of the uh, Red House Painters album, the Red House Painters. Um, and the last the last place Thunderbolt appeared was in the movie Requiem for a Dream. Don't run out and see Requiem for a Dream, kid. So in any case, Papa's really excited about the Thunderbolt. Brother's like, it looks scary. Papa's like, nonsense. You're going to love it. Uh, one day you're going to bring your own kids onto this thing. Get on. So they all get on the Thunderbolt, and they go riding, and everyone's having a blast except Papa. He just screams. It says he hollered so loud you could hear him above the roar of the crowd. Papa is screaming. He gets off. He is shook. Uh, and brother's like, what was, what's wrong with you? Didn't you love, love this ride when you were a kid? And he's like, you know what? I'm not the kid I used to be, son. So uh, you go have fun. Take your tickets. Go ride the rides. I'm going to sit here with your mama. The Cubs run off unaccompanied with their tickets to go enjoy the rest of Fun Park. And mama's like, how about that uh, tunnel of love? How about, how about riding that, that boat through the tunnel, paps? How about we go uh, go look at that old mill ride over there. And it says, Mama remembered what she had thought of. She led Papa off to the tunnel of love. And that's the story. What the story is about, this book, is the fact that Mama and Papa have a very healthy relationship. And by a healthy relationship, I mean a healthy relationship. They are still compatible, as they say. They still enjoy one another's company and that is a good example to set for children mama and papa don't need the kids around to have a good time they know how to make their own fun tunnel of love uh also don't let your little kids run off unaccompanied at an amusement park that's terrible uh and also papa's a bit of a braggart not a super braggart in this one he's just really excited and that's what i like about this papa's not making a fool out of himself by saying like i'm the best Roller coaster writer, there is. Like, he's not embarrassed at the end. He's like, I just can't do I can't do this anymore. I'm an older man now. I don't enjoy riding roller coasters. And I have kind of like the opposite experience, but it's kind of the same experience. It's like a flatline experience. Like, I didn't enjoy roller coasters when I was a kid. Still don't. So, you know, that's how that works. Uh, I went on a ride once with a, girl, a girlfriend uh, at an amusement park. I was like at a at a at a fair. It wasn't like a like a like a valley fair or anything. It was like a just an amusement park ride, like at one of those like not permanent like fairs, but like just a place. And we thought it was gonna be fun, and it wasn't fun. And we screamed like it was terrifying. I hated it. I hated it. I hated it. I just I hated the experience. And that was really the last time I've ever, like, tried to do anything like that. I think Alana and I went on a roller coaster once, like, at, like, Camp Snoopy or Nickelodeon Universe, uh, which is a theme park, not an amusement park. And it's in the middle of a mall, which I love, amusement park, which I don't love. 
I think that happened once and we were like, nope, don't need don't need to do that. We don't need to go on on big scary rides. We don't need to experience that. I don't need to experience that. I don't I don't need to do I don't like rides. I don't like rides. I appreciate them. I watch videos of people who've gone on them. I think they're cool. I think it's a neat thing. I think what a wild like industry, like this whole like roller coaster industry. I love the history of amusement parks. Uh, if you were looking for a good history of amusement parks, uh, Defunct Land on YouTube is you can't get much better. Uh, the history of defunct amusement parks and amusement park rides just uh, it's amazing. They have a whole one on Astro World, which is of course gone now. And I was terribly sad, even though I hated Astro World, hated going there. Uh, have very bad memories of the place. I was very sad because it was like an institution. Like you would drive through, you would drive through downtown Houston, like not outside of downtown Houston. Like you would drive through the city of Houston, and there was this enormous amusement park just like right there. Like you didn't have to like, you have to drive into the city to go to the big amusement park. Like it was just, it was smack dab. Come to find out, it was like. Untenable. Like there was just no way that was gonna last. Like it lasted for decades, but like it was always just like a major problem to use of that much real estate in the middle of a major metropolitan area, one of the biggest cities in the United States. Just it was what were they thinking? It was a whole like it was like a whole astro area because it was like the Astro Arena and the Astrodome and like just all kinds of astro things like right around each other. And that wasn't gonna last. That was never gonna last. Like and it didn't. It ver it eventually sunk under its own weight and mismanagement because that's the problem with amusement parks uh they get sold off to bigger companies who then mismanage them don't take care of the rides don't take care of the attractions don't take care of the patrons they become places that people like don't like to go to that get bad reputations and eventually they go out of business when i was a kid there was this place that opened up it was perfect for me uh i think it still exists actually i think it still exists or it reopened. I, I, I'm i pretty sure I saw this. Uh, maybe in the same place. Maybe in a different place. It was called Fame City. If you grew up in Houston, Texas, you knew Fame City. It was. It had a, it had a water park attached to it. Fame City Waterworks. Fame City was an indoor amusement park. Uh, but it was mostly like an amusement pavilion. Like it had rides, like bumper cars. It had like midway stuff. It had huge arcades. had a full-size roller rink. Full-size bowling alley, multi-screen movie theater, multiple, uh, like, restaurants and bumper cars and just – it was an amusement paradise. Completely enclosed, but it had, like, a high ceiling that was black and lit with stars, so it always looked like you were outside. That, to me, was the quintessential amusement park experience. I loved it. It was nice inside always. There were video games to play. And movies to see. I saw the movie Dirty Rotten Scoundrels there. I'll never forget it. Saw it with my friend Sam. Never forget it. I loved Fame City. It, it fell into disuse, disrepair. Uh, like I said, I think it came back. I think it's back now. Uh, but uh, it will never have the same feeling as it did when I was a kid. Because I'm not a kid. I don't live there. And I will never, like, ever go. I will never, you will never see me there. Because I have no reason to be there. So, uh, yeah, that's my experience. That's my experience with Fame City. And that's my experience with the Berenstain Bears. Visit Fun Park. Uh, this is a Cub Club book. Look my I'm reading. Uh, so, again, it looks like it's drawn by a freelancer. 
it's not as cool. Like the pictures aren't as cool as as the giant mall. It's a little flat. You don't get to see a whole lot of fun park, just the rides they point out. And I don't know. I like the story though. Uh I like the fact that it's about Papa Bear, like just realizing he's not the bear he used to be, but being okay with that, because that's how I feel a lot of the time. I don't feel like I'm the man I used to be. And I never felt like I was much of a man anyway. At all, ever. Like at all. I never thought I was I was any big deal. And now I feel like less than that. So think of what it's like to live in my shoes. Think of what it's like to be me for a while. I'm sitting with no shirt on talking about a book for five-year-olds. That's what my life is. That's where I am. Life ain't no fun part, kids. It's a it's a hard reality. So that's it. I hope you've enjoyed listening to these Cub Club uh, discussions because I found a source of Cub Club books so that I'm, I'm actually going to be able to cover a few more of them than I thought I was going to be able to. They're hard to get your hands on. They are hard to acquire, but I have a source and it is it is, it is is legal, so don't worry. I'm not like stealing Cub Club books from some poor unsuspecting child. I'm not breaking into Brad Mariska's uh, display in Austin, Minnesota and stealing all of his Cub Club books. I am simply Phil enjoying myself discussing the ins and outs of the Berenstain Bears world. Thank you so much for listening, joining me, and I will see you all next time deep in bear country.